0: Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast powered by Jiffy Lube. He's Justin Duncan. I'm John Hodge. Today, we're discussing the Riders, Lucia's Purifoy,
1: spending a night in jail. Sean Lemon accusing Duke Williams of spitting on him during the West semifinal. Nasty.
0: Some exciting matchups in the East and West finals. Oh, baby. Chris Trevler signing with the Baltimore Ravens. Flybirds fly. Birds, fly and saturday's vanier cup but first the calgary stampeders and montreal alouettes were eliminated from playoff contention this past weekend in losses to saskatchewan and hamilton respectively dunkster which team is facing more questions heading into the 2021-2022 cfl
1: offseason to me, it's the Montreal Alouettes because we know that with John Huffnagel and Dave Dickinson, and it sounds highly likely that Bo Levi Mitchell is going to be back, even though speculation went rampant based off his post-game comments. Though, in my mind, I felt like it was clear. Mitchell wants to assess his body in the offseason and make sure he comes back to that top form that we're used to seeing from Bo Levi Mitchell. So for that reason, it's the Alouettes because there's been speculation going a little bit crazy behind the scenes that Danny Machocha could let Jones go. Let's remember. Machocha did not hire Jones as his head coach. That was Kavis Reed. Machocha inherited Jones. And even though he seems to have the room there and the guys are really playing for him, there are people behind the scenes that will tell you that Machocha wants his own guy in there. So from my end, and that's just one of the reasons with the Alouettes, that they're the team that has more questions than the Stamps.
0: Personally, I'm going to disagree with you. I think the team with more questions is the Calgary Stampeders. I think relative to their division The Alouettes were a lot more competitive this year. Yes, Calgary finished the regular season just above 500. But let's remember, Bo Mitchell has lived at the top of the West Division throughout his career. He threw more interceptions than touchdowns during the regular season. That was also true in the West Final. No touchdowns, two picks in a disappointing loss to Saskatchewan. And let's remember, Cody Fajardo left the door wide open right in that game. He threw four interceptions himself and yet the Riders were able to come away with the win in double overtime. If you look at the Stamps, Team MOP Kadeem, uh, Kadeem Carey is a pending free agent. Reggie Bagleton, the star receivers, is a, f- a pending free agent. And, and a huge chunk of their guys on defense, including guys like Jameer Thurman, Mike Rose. So to me, the bigger question is in Calgary. And another key pending free agent, Jake mayor right who looks spectacular in spot duty this season while mitchell was out to me you can't address the future of the stampeders without wondering can they keep bo and jake and if not who are they picking because they can keep jake Mayer for a lot less money than they're paying bo.
1: for that reason alone i think you could make an argument that the stamps have more question marks but overall for me the owls have a lot of question marks On their roster, yes, at the pivotal position, Calgary needs to make a decision, but we've seen time and again, Huffnagel and now Dickinson have proven it, that in large part, they do make the correct one. So with the Alouettes, you have kind of a similar decision. Do you stay with Vernon Adams Jr., who you anointed as your franchise quarterback after Machocha took over as general manager, or do you go with Trevor Harris, who you traded and brought in there? and looked like an intriguing piece, especially learning Jones' offense really quickly. And then you look at the rest of the roster. Their offensive line needs to be better. The receivers are dynamite, but you got to make sure you keep those guys in-house. Geno Lewis being top among them. He only signed a one-year contract extension, so he's a pending free agent. And the defense has got to be better. And they can't have guys that continually take stupid penalties. So that needs to be addressed. Whether he wants to hear it or not, Money Hunter is one of those dudes that constantly draws flags. So in my mind, from a talent standpoint, that's why it's the Alouettes because the stamps with Huffninggel has always proven that his teams will be competitive.
0: Competitive yes, but you know they' this year they're essentially a 500 team with a first round playoff exit and this is the second time in a row they've had a first round playoff exit to, to me this just looks more and more like the dynasty that's that is the Calgary Stampeders is crumbling. can they rebuild it? Yeah obviously that front that front office, is great and they've done great things in the past, but we've seen further deterioration since they got lit up in the 2019 playoffs.
1: Let's remember now. Okay. To be fair, Bolivian Mitchell was trying to play on a broken leg. And that was part of the reason that that season didn't get off to a great start for Calgary. I'm with you though. It does seem like the stamps were not their usual top of the West division selves and running away with it, but there's going to be cricks and cracks here and we'll see how they Fill it in. The matchups for the East and West finals are now set with the Ticats visiting the Argos and the Riders going to Winnipeg to take on the Blue Bombers. Which matchup are you more excited for and why, Mr. Hodge? Well, i'm going to be at
0: the west final in winnipeg the first west final played in the peg since 1972 when neither of us were around but i'm actually going the other way dougster i'm more excited for the east final and here's why the hamilton tiger cats are a team that many of us myself included christened the beast of the east early in the year yet they went into BMO Field and got their butts whipped last month when the Argos were able to secure first place in the East Division. I'm looking for Jeremiah Mazzoli, Brandon Banks, and company to have a bounce-back game and beat the Argos. Am I rooting for the Ticats? No, I'm rooting for a good game. But I'm interested to see, with all the money on the table, all the cards ready to play, can the Ticats get it done? Or can the Argos make the push to their first great cup berth since 2017.
1: I'm with you. I think we know how the West Finals is going to go. The Riders haven't scored a touchdown against the bombers, at least during the regular season. And even though Cody Fajardo battled back from four interceptions, if he does that against Winnipeg, the game's going to be over at halftime, maybe even in the first quarter. So he can't do Absolutely. that. That's why for my money, the game of the week is going to go down at BMO Field. Hopefully, it's somewhat packed there. They've been trying to push on social media to get tickets out, and there'll be a bunch of people coming down the QEW from Hamilton, certainly dressed in black and gold. That said, I'm sort of with you here. I think the Thai Cats are going to give their best effort. There were some letdown spots, especially the last time they went to BMO Field, with first place in the East on the line. But it seems like we saw some glimpses of what the offense can be, right? Brandon Banks had that touchdown last week in double coverage. Jeremiah Masoli delivers it on a line. And those, to me... Were an example or that play in particular was an example of the flashes and the brilliance, I should really say, that we saw from those two in 2019 and especially Banks, obviously, because Masoli went down with the ACL. Tim White is another guy that I think could be a major X factor for them. And Don Jackson has been great since coming back in the lineup. There's no doubt the Ticats defense is going to be stout. And I look at the Argos offense and I go, well, the only guy that really scares you on a consistent basis is DJ Foster. So, load up to stop him. Make sure you have him accounted for in pass coverage as well. Yes, Tavares Daniels can make some crazy plays. We all saw the touchdown that he made at Tim Hortons Field to help that wild comeback. But to me, I just don't see a consistent playmaker on the Argos offense. You do want to spread it around and you don't want to have the defense focus on one guy. But for that reason, I'll take Speedy B. I'll take Tim White. I'll take Tim, sorry, excuse me, Don Jackson, because those guys have been playing more consistently of late.
0: Well, I think the the Argos are going to be getting Eric Rogers back for the East final, which should help that offense. I'm just looking, honestly, I, I want both of these teams to put together a great game because let's be honest. I think the most disappointing game of the entire regular season, at least in my view, was the latest meeting between these two teams. Hamilton played terribly. Toronto played okay, And then after they won, all of the Argos fans got on Twitter and harassed me saying that their team is. No, your team played mediocre. Against a team that played terribly. I don't want to see a B game, a C game, a D game. I want both teams to bring their A game. And showcase this amazing league because when those two teams are at their best, they could put together an instant classic and dunkster does seem at least from the buzz on social media, like attendance at BMO field will be good. The Argos just opened up some extra seating today. Hopefully that stadium is packed. Nothing would make me happier, us happier as a publication. And I dare say fans across the league happier than a great football game on Sunday in Toronto. In a packed house. That would be a Christmas, early Christmas miracle.
1: I'm not going to believe it until I see it. And you mentioned Me neither. bringing <laughs> your A game. The Cats and the Argos better play an A game in the East final because they're going to need to play an A plus, maybe even plus, A plus plus game in the Grey Cup. <laughs> they're going to be Winnipeg. So you need to make sure that you're hitting that peak right now. I hate it because it's cliche, but there needs to be some A football played at BMO Field. Otherwise, neither one of those teams is going to have a shot in the great cup against Winnipeg.
0: I don't know if there's such thing as an a plus plus, but I, I wouldn't know. Cause I never got anywhere close to that in school. Anyways, we got to take a quick break. Dunkster. When we come back, we'll be talking about Lucia's beautiful. Riders defensive back Lucia's Purifoy spent Sunday night in jail following a disturbance at a Regina restaurant. Head coach Craig Dickinson said Purifoy will face internal team discipline, though it seems unlikely that they'd suspend him for the West final. They're going to need him against Winnipeg. Dunkster, he's one of their top players. What can you tell us about this?
1: Well, I did a lot of groundwork on this before the story came out. I got an early tip about it tried to get in touch with Regina police, tried to get in touch with people from Earl's, but nobody was saying anything. And to me, and I'm reading between the lines here, and this is just purely speculation, there might have been more to the story. That said, there was a video released online of a person inside the establishment that filmed part of what happened. And you can clearly see Purifoy allegedly being frustrated with the service that he was getting at Earl's, and then a lady allegedly comes into the screen and appears to throw a glass and break some glass behind the bar. So there was a situation unfolding there that Purifoy should have gotten out of and tried to decompress himself because you're talking about after you win in the West semifinal... Now you got a big game against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and a situation is unfolding. And I hate to say it now, but Hey, you're at the age where you're an adult. You're not just a young man anymore or a young person where people are going to overlook these things. You need to make a smart decision and not cause a potential distraction for the team. So I really hope that we actually hear about what the real discipline is for pure behind the scenes, because you talk to some people that are there in Saskatchewan, and they say Purefoy has been a nuisance a lot of times for a few years there in Saskatchewan in terms of how he's dealt with some of his teammates and really getting frustrated or yelling or potentially even fighting some of his teammates. Of course, the Durant Carter thing, it might be top among those alleged fights, but still, <laughs> there is a clear... Discipline issue here that needs to be corrected. So I hope Craig Dickinson and Jeremy O'Dain, to be honest, Craig Reynolds come down hard on Purefoy and say, Hey, this behavior, yeah, you didn't get charged, but you were arrested and detained overnight in jail. That is not all right.
0: Yeah, and obviously playing for the Rough Riders puts an extra spotlight on you at all times. There are some CFL cities where you can go out on the town, people aren't going to know who you are. Well, guess this is Regina right? Everybody knows who Luchez Purifoy is. He was just named the team's most outstanding defensive player. And, uh, obviously a regrettable situation. We know that a woman was charged with assault in related to the incident. As you mentioned, Purifoy was not charged, but still obviously a bad look for, uh, for, for, for a, for a guy who just helped his team win a home playoff game for the first time since they opened new mosaic stadium uh, an unneeded distraction certainly you'd think for for this team at this critical juncture of their season
1: stamps defensive end sean lemon accused duke williams of spitting on him before halftime in the west semi-final which he indicated was the reason he lost his temper and punched the star receiver leading to his ejection from the game williams has since denied the allegation tweeting quote you know they have footage my guy no need to lie lol close quote Nobody feeling sorry for you, end quote. (laughs) Hodge, what do you make of this? Well, I think this is
0: absolutely first-rate entertainment. Obviously, if there was a spit, that is disgusting. Sean Lemon told the media in his season-ending availability, he felt disgusted and disrespected in his allegation of being spit on. Obviously, we don't know the truth, yet i've asked the cfl several times there is still an investigation underway regarding the alleged spit personally i'm just excited to find out who's lying was sean lemon lying about it is duke williams lying about sean lemon lying about it i have no facts to present here i just think this is marvelously
1: entertaining there seemed to be a video breakdown that i saw online where the gentleman clearly picks out something flying in the air now what's been debated here is the fact that duke williams was wearing a balaclava which means that could have been or allegedly let's say would cover your face now i'm really curious to see what angles the cfl would have we're never actually going to lay eyes on them but they would have some broadcast angles that would be a much higher quality than somebody zooming in on their TV copy. So (laughs) we'll see. I would imagine it will come out before the West final or perhaps the league wants to avoid the distraction and save any discipline for potentially after the Grey Cup. Could be a precedent-setting moment, but I love me the trash talk. I love me the entertainment value of this. We need more of it. Patrick Levels. Duke Williams, Sean Lemon, let's see anybody else step to the plate and not giving us boring answers and responses. This is great for the league, whether they like it or not.
0: I, I could not agree with that more. Um, I will say this, though. The CFL throughout the season has has routinely handed out discipline on Thursdays. Obviously, we're recording this on a Wednesday Maybe we'll get disciplined tomorrow. Maybe we won't. It depends if the CFL's investigation is complete. As of now, it's not. It's still ongoing. But traditionally, right, throwing a punch or spitting are the two things that can get you chucked out of a game outside of contacting an official. So if the CFL looks at it and says, okay, you know, typically if a player is ejected, you know, they obviously it hurts their team and then they're subject to a max fine, which is half a game check, that's the punishment. If it's determined that Williams did spit, which again is yet to be concluded one way or the other, I'm curious to see if there's any chance the CFL could suspend Duke Williams for the West final. I'm not saying that will happen. I'm just curious to know if it happens, because I don't remember any prior precedent, at least that I can I can recall. I couldn't find any online about a CFL player having been caught spitting on another one and what type of supplementary discipline was handed out. I'm not saying Duke Williams should be suspended, but obviously that would become a huge story for the West final given that Duke Williams has provided most of Saskatchewan's offense, at least their offense through the air, as of late.
1: The league's not going to suspend them, let's just say it fly out, right? They're not going to do that. There's so much at play here. They don't want one of the stars out of the game. And Randy Ambrosi doesn't have the governing power of, let's say, oh, Roger Goodell or any of the other commissioners in pro sports. So he ain't going to be suspended. It's just a matter of whether or not he gets hit in the pocketbook and if they find that he actually did spit Lemon's way or not. Because I'm sure Williams wants to be vindicated here for the fact that he feels like he didn't do anything.
0: True. I just hope that we get at least a little bit more Twitter beef out of it first. Dunkster, the Western Mustangs defeated the St. FX X-Men in the Mitchell Bowl, a game that you called, by a score of 61 to 6, putting up 51 points by halftime. Is it time for U Sports to change its postseason format?
1: Yes, like yesterday or a year or two or three or four or five or six years. This should have been changed ages ago. Like, I just can't understand how people within U sports and a lot of it, to be honest, Hodge, people will call them within circles around Canadian universities as the academics. They're the (laughs) ones that are holding this back because they want everybody to have an even playing field and go home with a participation ribbon. Well, let me tell you. We're not playing house league football anymore. We are competing and at a level where these guys go on to the pros in the CFL and the NFL and mostly in the CFL but become legitimate players and a handful of them or a number of them stars. So we need to put the best competition on the field especially when you're trying to sell the game. The Vanier Cup matchup is a perfect example of that western saskatchewan perennial powerhouses within their conference greg marshall scott flory all of the history that they have in the cfl and how long they've been in football the playmakers that are in place on either side mason nice a quarterback for the huskies evan hillock for the mustangs but it's unfair that Western comes into this game having had early rest because that game against St. FX, to be honest, it was over in the first quarter, man. Like, we were trying to extend it and play up the entertainment, (laughs) but it was clearly done at halftime, and Greg Marshall put in all the subs that he could. So everybody needs to get together, and I hate when this conversation comes up because a lot of people want to throw it on U Sports or the football people in Canada, but they all know it needs to change, but it's the academics that have to do it and they need to understand how much is at stake here in terms of the visibility of their schools on the national stage like this week I am here with the crew, with CBC, to call the game. Mark Lee, the legendary man himself, will be calling play-by-play or putting in the work to showcase the, the, these athletes across the country. And the academics need to understand what that means, not only to the universities, but to their bottom line. Because athletics drives a lot of people going to these universities or wanting to go there. That's just a fact. You see a team winning a national championship in any of the sports and a kid sees that and maybe they don't end up playing a sport at the university level because it's a small percentage of players that actually get to do that. But they want to go to the school and have some of that fun and feel attached to their school. So rant done, but it needed to change like (laughs) yesterday.
0: (laughs) That might be the most epic dunk rant we've ever gotten. For the uninitiated the issue that is currently plaguing u sports playoffs is that the winner of the four conferences coast to coast advance and at least for the last decade atlantic university sport out east has not and and there have been some amazing aus teams historically but for the last several years aus has not put forth a terribly competitive team as their winner personally i think competitive
1: shouldn't even be in your vocabulary (laughs) there they have not even shown up man and that is no slight to these athletes
0: fair enough i'm I'm just trying to be respectful of the athletes and the people involved who are working on shoestring budgets but my point is just there's got to be a way as you pointed out to have the four conference championships but maybe we go to an american style playoff where the top four ranked teams go to the playoffs regardless of what conference you're in we don't necessarily need a team from each conference and in some respects we could have two or even three or four teams from one conference if those are the best four teams they should be the four teams in the playoffs but that's just that's just my take
1: that's what needs to happen honestly in my mind it's really easy you look to the system that they have in the united states in the ncaa it's a four team playoff and yes rankings come into play down there and there is a committee but that's what needs to happen up here, is that when you get to the national level, you can say, I think confidently right now, that Canada West, the OUA, and the RSEQ, otherwise known as the Quebec Conference, if you win your conference, you're in that playoff. The fourth spot is going to be, let's call it a wild card, for lack of a better name right now, a team that is determined through statistical rankings and also human voting or rankings, whatever you want to call it, that next best team gets into the tournament because we can't have these games because nobody wants to watch 61-6. It's just not thrilling. You look at the Mitchell Bowl compared to the UTech Bowl in Montreal packed house there the ketaban fans represented the game goes down to a the wire it's an epic finish adam mackhart into the end zone sends the huskies to the vanier cup in enemy territory and people are loving it up man like the huskies fans are fired up but when the other game is on the national stage and you already know who the winner is going to be people aren't going to tune in to feel like they're going to get invested in either one of these programs and see a great product and don't get me wrong. I might be biased because I played back in that day with CIS football and I still think it should be CIS but anyways, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> These athletes are great and they're getting better every single year. Like for the uninitiated out there, the Huskies have a middle linebacker, Nick Weeb, who was at the University of Oregon playing in the Fiesta Bowl last January and here he is in the Vanier Cup. He came back to Canada because he wanted to help out at home with his father who has been ill. You look at the Mustang side of the ball, Deontay Knight, Hodge, and I'm almost done, was at Arizona Western Community College. We know that well because Jonathan Kongbo was there, became the number one JUCO recruit in the country, and went to the University of Tennessee, so Knight wanted to be closer to home. That's why he's playing for Western. but. These guys are legit. And we've seen dudes go the other way. Tavius Robinson, who was a Guelph, is now a starting defensive lineman for Ole Miss, who last time I checked, were ranked in the top 10 in the NCAA. So there is talent here. But the academics need to get the freak out of the way so it can be put on the best display possible. All right, let me just take a quick breather here, okay, Hodge? You determined... That scoring in U sports football and the CFL dropped by the same percentage in 2021. Why do you think that was? And what does it tell you about 2022?
0: Well, I I decided to look at these numbers because we've been talking a lot recently about how the CFL's on-field product overall, not every week, but overall for the 2021 season was maybe not as exciting, as enticing as it's been in previous years. And so I decided to take a look at scoring as a whole and determined it was down from 2019 to 2021 by 12.9%. U-sports football was down 13.3%, which, you know, is is essentially the same number. Uh, the NFL did not experience a drop-off of scoring whatsoever. Scoring actually increased from 2019 to 2020. 2021 is a little bit lower than 2019, but, but it's still high. Uh, so my point is just, you know, and there's been lots of speculation talk about what could have caused the downturn in points. You know, uh, Dave Dickinson thinks it's the speed of CFL defenses. Personally, I don't think defensive players are getting faster relative to, to offensive players. I think offensive players are getting faster just like defensive players are. To me, this is at least one small indication that the year off is to blame for the lack of scoring. And I think that means come 2022, we could see both the CFL and U sports have a nice bounce back year with two years of rookies having a full year of experience under their belts and players maybe just a little more up to speed on what it takes to go through a full season. Cause let's not also forget both seasons started late this year, which means it wasn't just a year off that these players had in many cases, it was a full season and then a- another month or two plus two full winters. So after an almost two year break, I don't think it should be a surprise that scoring was down, and I expect that scoring should recover next year to at least some extent, hopefully a full extent.
1: Hopefully, my man. I just think that, especially at the CFL level, the reason for scoring being down has been the athletes that are available more and more being wanted by the NFL. I've said it multiple times already, but Lamar Jackson 20, 30 years ago would be in the CFL. The smaller slot receivers like a guy maybe even tyler lockett could have been in the cfl 20 30 years ago but they're being used in this nfl game that's looking more and more like the ncaa where it's wide open and those athletic quarterbacks have an opportunity to run and it's not your prototypical stand in the pocket six foot six 250 pound statues that are slinging the rock it's athletic dudes you got to be really athletic to play the position now and obviously all the rest of them so i think that's a major part of it and i also think that in the cfl Teams have begun, and some of them are different, obviously, but to get more conservative for whatever reason that is. So it would be nice to see the scoring back up because that was the one thing that CFL fans could trumpet for years, that the game was wide open and you never knew what was going to happen at any moment. Big play could go either way, but we just aren't seeing those big plays regularly, I feel like, on offense.
0: We got to take a quick break, Dunkster. When we come back, it'll be time for Hodges – On this day in 1962, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Toronto Argonauts met at Exhibition Stadium in the 50th Grey Cup. Fog started moving in from Lake Ontario in the second quarter and grew so thick that spectators were unable to see the action on the field play was suspended early in the fourth quarter with winnipeg leading 28 27 and resumed the next day when the fog had subsided though no further scoring took place the game remains the only cfl game ever to be played over two days and has since become dubbed the fog bowl dunkster 1962 is well before our time could you imagine a game starting on one day and finishing the next
1: <laughs> It'd be unbelievable, man. You'd have to have multiple snacks and stay hydrated and be ready to go.
0: And that's just if you're a fan, much less a player. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't think Gatorade existed back then, but hopefully the players had something like that to make sure that they weren't cramping up, man. But I just can't imagine even trying to play in a fog bowl. Like driving on a foggy road is difficult enough, but it gets easier if your car's ready to go Especially in the winter when those snow flurries are flying and it makes it difficult to see just like in the fog bowl You want to make sure your fluids are topped up You've got a fresh oil change So your car fires up and everything's taken care of so that when you encounter that wintry weather You're good to go just like those dudes were playing on consecutive days
0: Perfectly said Dunkstrom when you go to Jiffy Lube make sure to tell them that your friends at three down nation sent you there all right it's time for the three minute drill powered by jiffy lube riders defensive back aj hendy quit the team due to a lack of playing time does that make sense
1: no unless he's purposely trying to end his career you <laughs> posted a bunch of teams pending free agent list what squad has the juice?
0: To me, the juiciest free agent list is the Calgary Stampeders. Jake Mayer, Kadeem Carey, Reggie Bagelkin, I named some of them off the top of the show. That is the juiciest list, and the team, I think, with the biggest potential for turnover. The CFL finished the regular season with a 99.92% negative COVID-19 test rate. Is that impressive?
1: It does seem like it is, but I'm not a scientist or a doctor or an expert on this virus, so I don't really know. But the fact that they only had one outbreak seems like it's a decent job overall, and lucky we got through the season. Former CFL quarterback Chris Treveller didn't have to wait long for his next NFL opportunity, joining the Baltimore Ravens' practice roster. Is it a good fit?
0: I think it's a great fit. You got Lamar Jackson as the starter. They have an inexperienced backup. Absolutely. I think this is a spot where Chris Strebler could thrive. Bodog installed Ed Hervey as the favorite to be named the new general manager of the Edmonton Elks. Does that make sense to you?
1: It does from a betting perspective because they know Hervey has name value. And there's also a lot of people there that would like to see it because he's the last GM to guide or help them win a great cup of course in 2015. Former Stamps linebacker Winton McManus signed with the Miami Dolphins. Is that a big deal though?
0: I think it is because my understanding is the Stampeders tried to bring him back for their playoff run just like Trey Roberson and Reggie Begelton and McManus bet on himself and obviously it paid off. He's under contract now. Patrick Levels told the media that he does not regret guaranteeing a win in Sunday's East Semifinal despite him and the Owls taking the loss. Does that make sense to you?
1: It does, man. I like the way that he's played this whole thing. He said that every single time he would guarantee a win going into a football game, that's the mindset that you have to have to win or lose. Toronto Mayor John Tory declared December 5th Toronto Argos Day in the city but also followed it up saying the argos had a record nine wins in 2021 (laughs) if that's a franchise record for regular season wins in a year that ain't good my man yeah
0: it was a it was a confusing statement but you know it's 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 the thought that counts the thought was right The, the the numbers maybe not so much dunkster finally in a game you're calling for cbc the western mustangs and saskatchewan huskies will meet in the vanier cup on saturday which will be televised nationally
1: who you got on the cbc but man i'm calling the game so i can't pick it so you know what i got a tight hard button Physical affair between two great programs who have some dynamic playmakers on both sides of the ball, and I think it could come down to the final minutes. These teams are getting after it. They've been in Quebec City all week. They're staying in the same hotel pod, so that just amps up the animosity level. They're crossing over for some of their practices because of the facility bookings here at Laval, so. The western mustangs will be out in the cold and then they'll come inside and vice versa so each team gets the same amount of time inside and out i'm stoked for it and i would strongly encourage anyone listening to the podcast to tell your friends tune into this ball game because it has the makings of a classic
0: i'm not calling the game so i will pick it give me the mustangs but adam macker is the game's mvp or at least he'll be my mvp I'm obsessed with Saskatchewan's running back. That's all for this week's Three Down Nation podcast. We'll see you next Wednesday for another episode of the show. We'll see you then.